When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now September the 25th, 2023. The Orioles are 97-59 and after beating the Cleveland Guardians on Sunday afternoon, a 5-1 victory that salvaged a split of the four-game series there after the Orioles lost the first two games. So with 97 wins, this is now the winningest regular season Orioles team of the 21st century. But way more importantly than that, the Rays lost to the Jays on Sunday, so the magic number was reduced by two, and it's now down to three. Oh, and if you didn't have enough to be delighted about today, the Yankees were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. And the last place Boston Red Sox have already been eliminated. The Yankees at 78 and 77 will hopefully, just for my enjoyment, fall below 500 uh, for their final season record. So the Orioles, if the Orioles go at least three and three over their final six games, guaranteeing the first 100 win season in Orioles history where Earl Weaver was not the manager, then it doesn't matter what the Rays do. The Orioles win the AL East if they win at least three games. If the Rays lose any of their final five games, then the Orioles will need fewer wins. There could potentially come a clinch of the division as early as Wednesday, depending on the Orioles and Rays results in the two-game series that each of them will begin playing against separate teams on uh, Tuesday. And for the Orioles, it's going to be Kyle Bradish and Grayson Rodriguez as the starting pitchers in a two-game set against the Washington Nationals at home. It's absolutely going to be great if these two guys can equal some of their recent performances and have the team popping more champagne at home with days left of the regular season to spare. And by the way, Sunday's win was the Orioles' 52nd road win this year, which tied the 1997 wire-to-wire division-winning Orioles for the franchise record road wins in a season, and is also the most road wins of any team in Major League Baseball this year, although that number could end up being tied by the Atlanta Braves today as they've won 51 road games and will play one more road game against the Nationals today. Speaking of the wire-to-wire, so the 2023 Orioles, of course, they're not in line to go wire-to-wire like the 1997 Orioles did because, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays started the season 13-0. The Orioles did not, so they were not uh, in first place early on, and that's fine. You know, the uh, the Orioles chasing down the Rays is all the more remarkable because of that 13-0 start. And the Orioles have never been super far behind. In fact, they've not been in any uh, worse position than second place in the division since April the 19th. So we're talking five plus months now where the Orioles were either the clearest possible challenger to the Rays or the team that has supplanted the Rays, which they have held uh, the at least a tie of the AL East lead every day since July the 19th. So that's now more than two months where the Orioles have been at least tied for the division. And at no point this year 
were they more than six and a half games back. So they certainly helped themselves, the Orioles did, by not falling way behind in April as the Rays were going 13-0. and And really, you know, the Orioles had a six and a half game deficit after losing on July the 1st, and they turned that around to get themselves into a tie for the division lead by July the 19th. So it's amazing. You know, the Orioles, they had a two and a half game lead over the Rays on August the 19th, and that's the exact division lead they have right now. So we're talking, again, that's a month plus where the Orioles and Rays have just played to the same amount, uh, the same win record, more or less. And it's just been ever since the Rays fell off from their 13-0 and opening season, it's just been a back-and-forth dogfight. And it looks like the Orioles currently have a pretty good shot of holding them off. Not that they're making it feel too easy for us, as there have really been two straight weeks now where the Orioles had some poor games in the middle of the week to make us feel like, okay, maybe this is where they're finally going to start to fall behind with maybe some disappointing games, again, especially two weeks ago, against losing the Cardinals series at home against poor pitchers, you know. They dropped the two games to the Cardinals to end that series. And then the first two in the series to the Rays fall back into a tie for the AL East lead. Although the Orioles did lead by percentage points and had the tiebreaker. But, you know, I was really despairing after that Friday loss in the Rays series because it was like, if not even a sellout crowd for the Adam Jones retirement thing could spark the team, like what hope was there of them rebounding? You know, they had gone for six runs across the four-game losing streak that they pulled off there. But then in the Saturday of that Rays series, Grayson Rodriguez, he shoved. The Orioles, uh, they scored a run in the game's four final innings on the way to an 11th inning walk-off the next day. And then they went on to win the first two in Houston for good measure. And then this week, the Orioles had three runs combined in the first or in the last game of the Astros series and the first game of the Guardian series. And then after that, they had the nasty walk-off loss on Thursday in Cleveland. And things were so things were fraying again. And yet, then on Saturday, as we know, John Means mustered a lengthy start, just his third start back from Tommy John surgery. Carried a no-hitter six and two-thirds of the uh, innings through that start. Made a seven and one-third inning start. It was absolutely exactly what the team needed at that moment. Means, although he has, unfortunately has not gotten to directly participate in the glory of the second half of last season and then, you know, the entirety of this season until a couple of weeks ago, uh, I mean, he came back and said, hey, he can still be the guy in the rotation. And especially with Dean Kramer fading in September, Means might even be seizing, I would say, the number three spot in a postseason rotation. And speaking of guys in that competition, on Sunday, of course, the Orioles had uh, went a long way towards victory because of Kyle Gibson pitching seven innings while allowing only one run in that Sunday game as the Orioles pulled off the split. So those two guys have given some real rest to what has looked like a tired bullpen, especially combined with the off day today. So that's two days of pretty light work and one day today where there'll be no work. And I mean, Gibson, I got to say, I've been down on the Gibson signing uh, a lot over the course of this year, but he has held up this part, his part of the bargain. He's now got 187 innings pitched this year, over 32 games started. The 4.86 ERA, not terribly exciting, but he is eating the innings. He is doing his part of the bargain. And in fact, he has thrown more innings 
than an Orioles pitcher has done in any season since the 2015 season when Wei Yin Chen threw 191 and a third innings. And with Gibson uh, heading for one more start in the regular season of this year, he will probably top Chen's mark, although he's not going to get above Chris Tillman throwing 207 innings in the 2014 season. This weekend's bounce back, it was just really another reminder. The 2023 Orioles, they've never sunk into a funk for too long this season. Their longest losing streak is the four games they had as uh, they lost the final two games to the Cardinals and then the first two games to the Rays a couple weeks ago. This year, 49 or 48, excuse me, of the Orioles' 97 wins have been comeback wins. So nearly half of the wins have been coming from behind. And it's remarkable. Like, look at the Rays, who are chasing the Orioles. They only have 36 comeback wins. So the the Orioles, whatever it is that has made them so good this year, they have a lot of it. And it, it really shows in their record. It shows in their record against everybody they've played. They are 50 and 37 against above 500 teams. So again, comparing to the Rays, the closest competition for the Orioles in the division, the Rays are 45 and 41 against above 500 teams. So the Orioles have won five more games than the Rays again, uh, have against above 500 teams. And they've got more wins against over 500 teams than any other major league baseball team this year. So it's like all of this is just pointing to the Orioles are a great team and there aren't any guarantees in this life, but this great Orioles team is now highly likely to get the American League East title of 2023, as well as a buy through the first round of the postseason uh, and home field advantage for the American League part of the playoffs. So we'll see if they can seal it uh, over the next couple games. Again, the Orioles will be playing at home against the Nationals. The Rays are going to be on the road for a two-game set that starts on Tuesday. They will be in Fenway to play the Red Sox. So Let's hope, I guess, that um, Fenway can be about as cursed for the uh, Rays over these couple games as it has been at times for the Orioles this season. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. So I'm just wondering, have you had a hard time adjusting to the Orioles playing meaningful games all season long? Because for me, like even last year, although the Orioles did end up playing meaningful September games, I did not feel the same stress about them because last year, especially it was all gravy since the Orioles expectations were they were going to lose a hundred games again, probably. And uh, you know, everybody in the media, well, not everybody, but many people in the media and I think uh, a number even of more miserable Orioles fans were just waiting to proclaim the whole Mike Elias rebuild a failure and that uh, the Orioles needed to do something different. And then, well, they went on and went 83 and 79. It was like playing with house money. And this season, I, it is also kind of house money, as we've talked about on this podcast. The preseason expectations were in the 75 to 80 win range for the team, and they're at 97. So that's a whole freaking lot of baseball games won. And so that's great. And the Orioles have greatly exceeded expectations. But it's also not house money because now that they've won so many games, it's like you don't want a team that wins 97 plus possibly is going to hit triple digits to waste that season of greatness either by falling short of the division or, you know, losing out on its first playoff round or whatever. And like 
for two months holding on to that AL East lead, especially over the last couple of weeks, once it's been clear how much the uh, the extra several days of rest is going to mean to the Orioles, the holding on for the AL East has just been paramount. And every seemingly every game the Orioles have played have been these tense games where every setback has its potential impact on the season just magnified in a huge way. Because, I mean, the Orioles, uh, they just don't rack up many easy wins. Uh, you know, Sunday they won by four. There were not a bunch of men on base in the ninth or anything like that. It was one of the more comfortable ones. But even a four-run game, you know, that doesn't get in your, into your uh, blowout territory as judged on baseball reference five or more runs. It's just... It's been a wild ride. The 2023 season has been ever since the second game of the season when Ryan McKenna dropped the easy game-ending pop-up and then Felix Bautista gave up the walk-off home run. It's just been, it's been crazy. Uh, you know, as Madison's Kevin Brown said, just be normal, but they can't. They can't do it. And it seems like every time the Orioles don't capitalize on opportunities at the plate, although they're one of the best clutch hitting teams in the league this year. So they've gotten plenty of times where they have capitalized, but baseball being the game of failure that it is, that also means there are plenty of times where they didn't. And again, I mean, every time there's a close lead for the relievers, it's just, it's all enough to make you nervous. Like the whole shebang is going to hinge on a few games. Every game that is played matters. Every one, uh, you know, any game that was given away could have potentially had a bigger impact if the Orioles had just lost one or two more games up until this point. So when you get like games that are blown, like the Orioles had walk-off losses just on Wednesday and Friday within the last week, it's nerve wracking. Although it's also exciting. It's been so long since there was last a playoff game played in Baltimore that happened before I even met my, met my wife in our relationship. There's been exactly one Orioles playoff game, which ended with Buck Showalter, of course, committing one of the biggest postseason managerial blunders in recent memory, if not more distant memory as well. Um, you know, my wife t turned off the TV before that walk-off home run even landed. I've still never seen the end of that game. I never will. I don't have any desire to rewatch it. I've heard from her that in 2014, she tried to handle her nerves by reorganizing all of her bookshelves during those postseason games. For me, you've probably gotten this sense if you've been listening to this podcast. My defensive mechanism is more like constantly being in a state of dread because if I'm always expecting something bad about the Orioles, then nothing can surprise me in a bad way. And, you know, sometimes that means you get the absolute delight of Delman Young hitting the bases loaded double in the 2014 American League Division Series. And, I mean, for me, like... The dread defense mechanism really came into play when I attended the Friday game of the Rays series and got to see the Orioles have absolutely no life whatsoever on the night where the team celebrated the retirement of Adam Jones, who has been the greatest Oriole of the 21st century. Although fortunately, Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman are rapidly trying to claim that title from him. Uh, and just, you know, that, that stupid Friday loss, like it was just a reminder to me of the essential crazy compact of being a fan of a sports team, you know, getting invested in outcomes over which you have no control whatsoever. The team in the offseason or at a trade deadline, it's going to make whatever moves it's going to make without any regard for what any of us think. And in the span of one given game, they're going to play and things are going to happen without regard for what any of us want to happen. But 
If you went to Camden Yards exactly one day later on Saturday, you might have come away with the exact opposite experience of what it's like to be a fan of a sports team, since the Grayson Rodriguez eight-inning start with a near-sellout crowd could have made anyone feel like the team was feeding off of the crowd noise, and that was what was helped them end their season-long four-game losing streak before it went to five, and it preserved their streak of days at least tied or better atop the American League East. The Orioles, they've won 62% of their games so far this season. It is absolutely great. It's just on the flip side of that. It also means they've lost 38% of the time, which in raw terms is a lot of losses. And a lot of those losses, I mean, you know, losing never feels good. As uh, Earl, legendary manager Earl Weaver uh, was reported to have said, just put it on my tombstone, the sorest loser who ever lived. And... I have always followed that example for Earl. I am never uh, in the mind to take, you know, a consolation out of an Orioles loss. Losing is losing, and it's not great when your favorite baseball team loses, even if they've won much more often than not. But what it means is the Orioles have won slightly better than three out of five games that they've played this year, which is just an amazing thing to say. And if the Orioles can continue winning three out of every five games that they play as the postseason goes along, then... The Orioles are going to win the World Series, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Uh, it's crazy for, you know, the wallet or the credit card balance or whatever, because just thinking about the prices that were already for the postseason rounds that have been sold, if they end up selling World Series tickets, who knows how much that's even going to cost for the cheapest whatever. But it's uh, it's absolutely amazing that that is something that here we are on September 25th and we can think about you know, what if the Orioles make the World Series? Nobody is going to feel too comfortable if months ago you made some plans that uh, can't really be easily broken in the middle or late October. And if you're in that position, I am sorry that you are, but uh, certainly we're all hoping the Orioles can make anyone with plans feeling uncomfortable because it's just going to be, you know, uh, they're, they're going to be in the postseason. Hopefully they can make it uh, at least to the ALCS uh, if they win the division, and we'll see what ends up happening. Before I wrap up, a quick dip into the mailbag. This one comes in from listener Ty, who asked, if Mike Elias was given a redo on the trade deadline today, do you think he should or would take it? Should he pay the acquisition cost of anyone else who was traded at the deadline? So, you know, Ty... The universe we're already experiencing here in 2023 with the Orioles, it's already pretty amazing. So for me, it's really hard to say that something should have gone differently with anything to do with this season because it is impossible for us to know what kind of ripple effect, even something where you might say, well, if they had just played this prospect instead of this other guy, it's there's no way it could have gone worse. That's kind of how I look at it. But I cannot imagine that Mike Elias hasn't been watching the bullpen's performance in September without wondering if he should have gotten an additional reliever before the trade deadline. Because I feel like the desperate reunion with Jorge Lopez seems like a sign that they they knew, especially after the, um, the Felix Bautista injury, they knew they maybe should have gotten another guy for insurance purposes. And Lopez, he hasn't worked out up to this point. So as far as who the Orioles should have maybe gotten in, instead, I, the best pitcher traded at the deadline in terms of results with his new team, I think, is uh, starting pitcher Jordan Montgomery, who was traded from the Cardinals to the Rangers. But the Orioles, I don't think they had the ability to form a trade package in the way that the Rangers did 
that enticed the Cardinals. Uh, it particularly was built around a 21-year-old starting pitching prospect in AA named Takoa Roby. And the Orioles, they don't have any 21-year-old pitching prospects in AA to do that. So um, I, I don't think they had any way of getting Montgomery. I guess for me, with the benefit of hindsight, I guess the additional move that would have not moved the needle too much but might have felt impactful now is... Um, if the Orioles had gotten reliever Keenan Middleton from the Chicago White Sox, he ended up being traded to the Yankees for a 21-year-old starting pitching prospect at the high A level named Juan Carella. Uh, the Yankees, of course, decided to neither sell off assets nor do a big buy, and they just got Middleton. And Middleton ha- has gone on to have a 0.68 ERA in 11 games after joining the Yankees, but he also got hurt at the end of August with shoulder inflammation and has not pitched in September. So he might not have even helped the Orioles bullpen in September anyway. Um, I don't know what it would have taken the Orioles to beat that price. Again, they don't have any 21-year-old starting pitchers at high A as Corella was. Aberdeen Ironbirds, the Orioles' high A affiliate, only had two pitchers younger than 21 all season long, and both of those guys were relievers who got uh, promoted near the end, had less than 10 games pitched with Aberdeen. Juan Corella, a high strikeout prospect this year, 109 strikeouts in 83 and a third innings before he got traded to the uh, the White Sox and had similar numbers last season at low A. So I guess the closest Orioles equivalent might be like Jean Pinto, who is one year older. And so maybe it would have taken a little more than just him. But still, I mean, that's not a huge cost if you can get a reliever who is uh, going to hopefully help bolster your bullpen. And uh, I, I don't know. Um I, I wouldn't have hated that. That would have been a bit more painful than losing Easton Lucas for Shintaro Fujinami, but I think potentially it could have had a decent impact. On the other hand, if he had gotten the shoulder inflammation again in Baltimore, it would have just been another trade to make us grumpy, as the Jack Flaherty trade kind of did. So I don't know. The, uh, ultimately, the Orioles are 97 and 59. So I, I, I try, although this podcast, you know, that's all you can do is quibble in the margins. Um, I tried in, in, in my outlook overall, although it maybe doesn't always come across on this show. I try to not quibble because again, they're 97 and 59. It's amazing. And hopefully they're going to have the American league East, uh, in hand by let's say Friday evening at the latest and maybe even possibly before that. That's all that I've got for today. If you are enjoying this show, please subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or review, or tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. And if you have any topic or question for a future episode of the show, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who has written in so far. New episodes of this show come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Wednesday morning, hopefully with an awesome Orioles game from Tuesday night to talk about. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's!